Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and him, Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. I don't know whether I said the university bad enough to retake that, Kieran, but our listeners know us well enough to go to know. They will guess that that word I was grasping for was university. It's, it's questions day, Kieran. We're going to get straight into them. No big lead up, no joking about football, because uh, we've got a, a lot of questions, good questions, and we have a couple of news stories as well. Uh, Kieran, um, so we really haven't got time to discuss our team's relative performances yesterday, but um, <laughs> really, we haven't, we really haven't. But the big story, of course, is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, who I imagine must have been very impressed with the way Palace came back in the second half on Saturday. <laughs> he won't be looking forward to playing us this season. <laughs> I, I was trying to find a way of crowbarring it in. I thought I will get it undone at the start. Kieran, what this? I, I assumed, like everybody, when I saw the headline. Ronaldo coming to Manchester that he was he was coming to City so what are the finances behind the move back to Man United well I think it's uh, it's been fairly uh, fairly public that he'd grown unhappy at Juventus Um, and I think they were quite happy to move him off the wage bill as well right Um, Manchester City following the issues with Harry Kane were willing to buy him but didn't particularly want to pay a fee because he, he's not he's not exactly a Manchester City style player no um you, you know he he, he is uh, you know he, he he sees himself as a galactic Manchester City I always think that Manchester City is a bit like the Borg in Star Trek you know resistance is futile you, the, you, they, they, you, they lose one player and somebody else comes in from the squad who is mm. equally as good and you know people are saying they've not got a centre forward but they've they've just won their last two home games 5-0 so um, so I, th- I think they were certainly interested and then Manchester United got wind of this and Manchester United are willing to pay 15 million euros plus 8 million uh, in uh, in bonuses, presumably linked to winning the Premier League and the Champions League. So the, the total cost will be up to 23 million euro for Juventus plus the wages, which are going to be the, the thick end of half a million quid a week. But uh, if, if you take a look, took a look at Manchester United's share price on uh, on the day of the deal, which, which of course I did, um, that that shot up it's, as it was announced. The, the 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 value of Manchester United as a business had increased by three hundred million dollars in an afternoon. So yeah, you know, that, that's that's the Cristiano Ronaldo effect. 
why is that? Well, it's first of all, we, we've got to dispel the shirt sale myth. Will they sell some more shirts? Yes. Will they be significant in number? Probably not, because if you're a Manchester United fan, you've already built, you've already bought this season shirt, and you've mm. you've already got Pogba or Sancho or McTominay or whoever is your favourite player on. So I can't see that many people going out to buy a second shirt. Um, but from a commercial partner's point of view, what Manchester United will now be able to do is to say, okay, we've we've got a three year deal. We can offer you Fred. We can offer you. Um, yeah, we can offer you Phil Jones for the regular price. Alternatively, if you want CR7, eh, mm. it's going to cost you an extra half mil, an extra mil here. So they will recover the money and more from the, the recruitment cost of the player. He's he's what now, 35, 36? He's, he's 36. 36. 36. So will, will his wages re- reflect that or is, it, is Cristiano Ronaldo, it doesn't matter how old he is, you you pay what you're told to pay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think uh, he, he will have negotiated or his advisors will have negotiated. He, you know, I, I can remember when, you know, probably the same as you, but, you know, when I was 36 and playing park football, my, my powers were beginning to wane in the Manchester Accountants uh, Sunday League Division 2. But he, he doesn't seem to be tapering off. So I think, I think he'll be able to uh, you know, ex- extract a, a very considerable sum from Manchester United, especially on the back that the the transfer fee itself is relatively low, and and that's what clubs look at. You know, what is the total cost over the two years when they recruited uh, Ibrahimovic? That was on a Bosman, so he was paid a, a huge wage to to reflect the the fact. You know, the, the the ultimate is the total cost is wages plus amortization. Yeah. Also, the thing is as well, it's it's one. It's like when. Mourinho came. It's like every, every away game is going to set out now because I I want to see Ronaldo play again. Mm. Basically, I'm also I don't know if I'm depre- dis- depressed or impressed by the fact that Manchester had enough accountants to have a Division Two. Oh yeah, we, we had three. We, we had Premier first and second. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Good lord, the half-time discussions must have been amazing. Yeah, and you can imagine the tables were always up to date very quickly. I imagine so. Yeah, I imagine everyone knew the price of the oranges at halftime as well. Didn't they? <laughs> Yeah, but I, I imagine you probably had to wait to seasonally adjust the tables at the end, did you? Just to, <laughs> um, right. Birmingham City have advertised a job for a twelve-month placement in their media department, but it's unpaid, which suggests to me that they have produced a guy in charge of recruitment. <laughs> yes, um, and this this is you know I'm, I'm not picking on Birmingham here, but. Uh, uh, I, I sort of have a, a routine that I go through each day, which is, you know, I, I wake up, um, I, I read read the Athletic for stories, I read the Times and the Telegraph and the FT, and then twice a week I go to a website called Jobs in Football um, just to see what, what's coming through. And this is a um, this is a it's it's an unpaid internship for twelve months, uh, but you do get a bus pass. Uh, for West for West Midlands transport, um, but my, my my concern is the very fact that it is unpaid because that immediately is restricting the potential talent pool. Absolutely. Because un- unless you've yeah. unless you've got a family who can afford to subsidise you for that twelve months, yeah. then then you've got to struggle. Uh, I mean, Hull City they have an internship uh, for broadly the same period. Now it, it's paying. Uh, 
you know, it, it, it's paying effectively what they call an academy rate or yeah. uh, of £4.62 an hour, which is pretty appalling, but it's still £4.62 an hour more than Birmingham City are offering. Um, my concern here is there are an awful lot of people who want to work in the football industry. Yeah. It has a limited number of jobs and you know is the industry leveraging off this and and i'll be honest you know it, it's not the only industry that does it i'm i'm perfectly aware that there are uh, media companies that do similar things and i'm sure you, you, know, you work in the world of entertainment you must know that uh you know some media organizations that they'll they'll do similar things which are uh, in my view, exploiting young people's desire to get on in life, uh, you know, and to, to to have the the potential. So, I, it, I don't think it's I don't think it's great by Birmingham. You know, I know the club's losing money, uh, but it, it still has a very considerable wage bill overall. To you know, to, to pay somebody minimum wage isn't is, isn't a huge ask. Yeah, they could also apply for your course that's coming up as well, which we'll be hearing more about later on. It's it's an interesting one, Kieran, because uh, newspapers, for example, won't be able to report this story critically because they rely on yeah. unpaid internments. And as you say, my industry, it, it's been to the shame of the television industry in the past 20 years that uh, you know entry-level uh, runners, for example, who are basically gophers, don't get paid anything. They might get paid travel expenses, which is, uh, is of course, the reason why most of them are from middle-class and upper-class backgrounds. It's mm-hmm. only recently, and the company that Richard Osman helps to run Zepatron were one of the first to recognise that in London in particular, a vast talent pool was being missed because 90% of the people of London, the young people, can't afford to work for nothing. Yeah. So they do have paid interns, and, and it's it's shameful that not every media company does the same thing. So it isn't just media, as you say, but you can't help thinking, and Birmingham City are a club that we both like, and we know they've had their issues, but it's, it's good that they're offering it. But I know Birmingham as well as any other city. My mother-in-law is in Birmingham. I spend a lot of time there. And there's not a lot of money in Birmingham, apart from one or two areas. It's a, it's a deprived it's a deprived city, and it's it's not right that really the only people that can afford to take up this offer are people whose parents will subsidise them or who have money enough already. So um, it'd be interesting to hear from Birmingham City on that. Um, I would suggest that Guy gets in touch with them, but of course he's exploiting us in a similar way. So he probably <laughs> he probably would get in touch with them to find out how it is they're getting away with paying nothing when he has to pay <laughs> expenses. And um, to no one's surprise, Kieran, especially not to yours, a former FIFA official has pleaded guilty to a racketeering conspiracy. Yes, um, and uh, th- this was a story which which uh, I read in the New York Times. And and for those of you that that like that type of thing i would i would very much encourage you to to follow Tarek panja on on twitter he's always good for stories um of uh, you know slightly offbeat nature uh, such as these um this this is this is quite incredible it it could be that fifa could end up receiving up to 200 million dollars from former officials there there's 50 who have been accused um, a few have now conceded, and this is mainly to do with um, Central and South American uh, and Caribbean uh, uh, entities such as CONCACAF and, and Commonwealth. And mm. 
uh, yeah, I, I I used to teach in Trinidad, and um, yeah. Jack Warner. I'm Jack Warner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the stories I could tell you about Jack Warner. For, well, unfortunately, I, I can't tell you about Jack Warner. Um, but uh, I think people can probably fill in the gaps. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't particularly very well reflecting of uh, of his tenureship there. Um, but this this is uh, this is credit due here to the U.S. Justice Department, who have investigated. Um, some of the natures of what's been going on. Um, FIFA are sort of trying; they're, they're trying to claim to be coming out of this as the as the the ruined party, the innocent party. And uh, Infantino is really selling the it, "we're all good now." Yeah, all of those naughty people, uh, those fifty plus officials who were indicted by, by the U.S. Department, U.S. Justice Department. You know, they're not part of us anymore. Although when you do a wee bit more digging, um, and I'm looking at you particularly here, uh, Marco Polo del Nero, who was the uh, Brazilian uh, representative who was who was barred for life from by FIFA, um, but appears to be sort of having still have significant influence over Brazilian football. He's, he's a bit like Grouty in Porridge. You, you know, he's, he's supposed <laughs> to be inside. Uh, you know, he's, he's supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, suffering some form of punishment from the long arm and the door, but uh, is is still able to uh, emit a, a degree of control. Yeah, so I can't remember. I meant to look it up. I was too busy looking up other stuff, as you'll find out uh, later. Um, yeah, I was very easily distracted doing the part of the mainly because I had a hangover from uh, being in the East End for too long yesterday. Hackney Wicks changed, I believe. Um, I, there's an American uh, FIFA delegate who looked like Father Christmas. Who was the Chuck one? Chuck Blazer. Chuck, Chuck Blazer. Blazer. He was Chuck Blazer is the one who. Um, the U.S. authorities, to their credit, once the U.S. authorities get their teeth into a problem, they don't let it go. Uh, and and it, it seemed like the whole world – that's why I introduced this, this story by saying to no one's surprise, because it seemed like the whole world knew the corrupt people in FIFA except the people in FIFA. So it, it's very interesting that Infantino still thinks – you know, that we we believe that there's no corruption involved. Then the trouble is, there's too much money that's involved for there not yeah. to be corruption. In, 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 really, so again, this is a story we'll keep our eye on. But let's go to questions, Kieran, because we have some very good questions uh, as ever. And the first one comes from Mike Gill, uh, and Mike Gill says, "Now football is getting back to normal. Please God, again with crowds. What are the prospects of the I Follow service for EFL games continuing?" Personally, says Mike. I will go to all home games and local away matches, but would willingly pay to watch the rest on stream. Now, that would be £10 extra revenue to the club with minimum costs, presumably as cameras would be filming anyway. So what do you reckon the chances are that it will continue, Kieran? Well, I think a lot depends here on Sky's relationship with the EFL because uh, yeah, as as somebody a bit like you, you know, is football mad, if there's uh, if there's a full program of EFL matches on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, I'm there. Scott, you know, I'm, I'm there with Jeff Stelling and, and, and the mob, uh, you know, and and the, the Sky coverage of what's happening in the EFL is fantastic. They go from match to match. Um, I, I think there is a, an iFollow sort of audio package available, and the Papa John's matches you can get for ten pounds a match. Um, the individual matches is a slightly more complicated because there's quite a few clubs who have opted out of iFollow that they're trying to do their own uh, arrangements. Um, When it comes to international coverage, 
I think there is some sort of equivalent of, of iFollow, um, but the, but that works out relatively cheaply. Uh, looking at that from country to country, but I, I was I, the, the EFL website, and I'm trying not to be critical of EFL here, isn't the easiest to navigate. So I, I was trying to look at it. You know, if, if I was a Crawley Town support supporter or something like that, you know, how how could I do it? And it it didn't lend itself to to finding out really? uh, the system particularly uh, straightforwardly. Okay. Well, Mike, we will try and do some research on that and find out for you. Um, in the meantime, controversially, I will say, Jeff Stelling, what a brilliant broadcaster he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A very, very good broadcaster and much funnier than the people around him, which is – I just love the expression he gets on the face when no one gets his convoluted puns. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Merson looks at him blankly. Um, now, our next question, Kieran, comes from – you wouldn't think uh, a simple collection of four letters – would cause me as much problems as G-N-A-N has caused me, because I like to pronounce people's names properly, so I've mm. been on all sorts of... This This question comes from Julian Ganan. I'm going for that. Yeah, yeah, I'll go it's, for that. Yeah, that's that's what Wiki told me, this very confused-sounding <laughs> confused, confused woman told me to say. Um, I have been able to discover that it is apparently the 1,008... Uh, 981st most common surname in the world, the 1,008th, 908th, is that right? Yeah, most common surname in the world. Oh, wow. Yes, that's how distracted I've been doing this. <laughs> uh, although, to be fair, the website that um, I went to had no information on the surnames Day or Maguire. So I'm not entirely sure how respectable. I was, I've, I'm used to people saying, Maguire, no, no, say nothing, mate. We ain't giving you any information. Yeah, but well, anyway, yeah. Nobody likes to snitch. Exactly. Julian Gannan, and I hope I've pronounced that Julian properties julian says he's been working in the sport and football industry for many years uh, sponsorship marketing etc and has now started teaching a class on corporate social responsibility at his old university uh, while there are many great examples says julian as you've mentioned on your pod such as forest green rovers or foundations and social projects run by clubs i wonder how much clubs in england and abroad if kieran has these numbers actually spend on social activities and if the clubs financially have any advantages, such as tax deductions regarding FFP or similar, are, they, are these figures that you can isolate, Kieran, from, from club accounts? Well, what I, what I did do is, is I, I took a look at a couple. So if, uh, as you know, in my opinion, and it's, other opinions are, of course, available, um, the, the best community project, community uh, you know, corporate social responsibility project in the country is run by Everton Football Club. Yeah. And um, Everton in the community generates around about £5 million a year. Now, that's from grants, so it, you know, it works on projects with the likes of the Home Office, with, with the local authorities, donations, fundraising, uh, which, you know, which, which has really been hit ter- terribly by COVID because you know sometimes if you can get the manager to turn up to an event or you arrange a charity match with some club legends that that can really move the dial so so uh, but but they 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 spend every penny so um that you know all all of the money's going on in trying to uh deal with health projects at, at all ages um crime crime relief uh, education really positive things and the, the value that they get out of this, you know, in terms, you know, for every pound they spend, they get around about nine pounds of social improvement, and, and you know, and, the, and they've got the data to back this up. So they're absolutely amazing at what they do. In terms of of the benefits, um, 
a ca- the, these type of projects are completely exempt from financial fair play rules. So if if one of the club directors wants to put in an extra hundred grand, um, mm. you know that that goes that goes straight in. It, it doesn't impact upon. Um, yeah, there's no negative things from FFP. What I would personally do is that yeah, if it could be done, I'd, I'd give them 150 percent exemption. So yeah, for every hundred pounds mm. they spend, they get 150 pounds off their uh, their FFP bill. Um, so, so yeah, again to incentivize good behaviour. But but they do fantastic work um, from a tax point of view. Um, a lot of them will be registered as charities, and therefore they will be they, they again if if they're spending a hundred percent of their revenue, they're making no profit, so they're paying no tax. So so those those are the benefits. But the work that these uh, these organisations do, I, I cannot praise enough. Mm. The difficulty is, Kieran, because uh, as you know, I'm a, a trustee of Palace for Life, the Crystal Palace Absolutely. FC Foundation, which I will keep mentioning until I get the MBE that has so far, for some reason, eluded me. <laughs> but even though I'm a trustee and I sit there's still, I find it difficult sometimes to distinguish the grey area between the club and the foundation because they – they are separate entities, but of course yep. they overlap. The Venn diagram overlaps in so many, in in so many ways. And of course, if if Palace, God forbid, were to were to be relegated, we would lose a lot of the money that we were getting through the Premier League, etc. Yep. But it is quite difficult sometimes to sort out who's who's doing for doing what. Essentially, if you understand what I mean, when you when someone like you is trying to work out who's spending money on 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 what brilliant project. Yes, I mean ultimately it's coming out of one or other of the organisation's checkbooks, and I think that's the way that we would normally work it out from a financial point of view. Um, you know, so if there is a specific project being run in in South London with you know with regards to uh, you know getting people back into education, for example, mm-hmm. um, then somebody's got to be writing out the check to pay for the, the wages of the people involved, or for hiring that particular school hall, or for, for taking these kids to a particular event, and that would form the basis of the the calculations for the individual organisation. Yeah, I I should know more about the finances of the trust, Kieran. But as you also know, as I've told you privately, they they let me sit out the finance bits. <laughs> basically, it's just, I'm a middle aged man, and they basically find me something to do. They just tell me go and have a look at the pitch for ten minutes. And I'm like, oh, great, brilliant! Uh, or go and have a look at the trophy cabinet for thirty seconds. Oh, great, brilliant. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by The Price of Football online course, hosted by our very own Kieran Maguire. Kieran, tell us more. Well, Kevin, um, it's some friends of mine who, who couldn't afford the Swiss Ramble. So therefore, they decided instead to create The Price of Football course. Uh, so it's a six-week online course starting on the 20th of September, and it's been designed for anybody who wants to potentially get a career in the football industry through a combination of quality education, but also networking. It's really important that you get to know people in the industry because it is a small industry. So it includes six hours of weekly study material and a 90-minute mentoring session every week on topics like governing bodies, clubs and investors. I might manage to sneak a bit about amortization in about it as well. Um, so they've asked me to be one of the tutors. So uh, you will see me or perhaps hear me, hear me uh, or failing that, perhaps they'll see and hear Finlay. Um, and you'll also get the option to attend the, the World Football Summit in Madrid, though I suspect that will be virtually. It sounds wonderful, Gary. It does sound genuinely interesting. 
um, and a very good way to launch your career. I also like the fact that you're more likely to be tutored by Finley than you are by me. Um, <laughs> if, if you're listening to this and you'd like to launch your career in the football industry with Kieran, and who better, let's face it, to help launch your career in the football industry, head to www.sportstalentnetwork.com for more information. And I believe you can get an early bird 50% discount, uh, which is still available. Uh, so if you go to www.sportstalentnetwork.com for more info, uh, well, good luck. Benjamin Toast is a regular listener. He is. Uh, and it, it's, uh, again, we, I can't never not mention his name. Um, I also wonder what happens to Benjamin Toast if he falls off a table. Which side up does he land? Um, <laughs> <laughs> poor Benjamin's at home and going, oh, my God, if I had a pound for every time some idiot said that. <laughs> uh, but Benjamin says loan deals often come with an extra bit on the end that possibly um, sounds more final than it, than it actually is. What do these terms mean? contracts and cost-wise do you pay a bit extra to have first dibs on a loan player and is a transfer fee typically set in advance and are there some cases where you get an awful player on loan that the manager would like to get rid of but you are obliged to buy um yes i mean the nature of a loan deal is that depending upon the player um there could be first of all a loan fee so if we take Philippe Coutinho, uh, Barcelona charged Bayern Munich nine million euro for for a year of his services, which, which was was quite good. Um, but I think he, he he did quite well for for Bayern. Then there will be a wage contribution, which could be anything from you know it could be five to ten percent, um, or it could be a hundred percent of the wages. So I remember when. Uh, Wayne Bridge came to to Brighton from Manchester City because he was out of favour there. I think we were paying 10% of his wages at the time. Um, uh, Then at the end of the loan deal, there could be one of three things. First of all, the player returns. So this is if 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 he's a young player and he's he's dropped down in division purely to get development, the chances are it would just be an automatic return to the parent club. Or there could be an option to buy at an agreed fee. And we saw this with Kylian Mbappe uh, in terms of PSG. And this was a way of, um, should we say, addressing certain financial fair play issues. Mm. Or finally, uh, I think the the issue that Benjamin was raising, there could be an obligation to buy. And this would be achievement related. So... Um, yeah, we uh, we at Brighton we had uh, Anthony Knockhart go on loan to Fulham, and um, I think that they were obliged to buy him if they were promoted. They were subsequently promoted, and yeah. therefore they had to buy him. So it, it, it does come down to the small print, and, and the two clubs will you know agree this in advance. The 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 benefit it, it tends to be it, the, what you get is a degree of certainty. Um, so, you know, if, if the player exceeds expectations, you've got the benefit of knowing you can effectively buy him at a bargain price, um, unless uh, the opposite happens is that if you've got an obligation to buy and the player turns out to be a bit of a turkey and, and you, you've ended up with a commitment to pay a fee that at, yeah, at, at the date when you have to pay it may look a bit high. So, um, as always, check the, check the small print and make you ha- make sure that you have very good silver-tongued friends going through that contract on your behalf. 
Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Yes, yeah, we've we've got the problem with Conor Gallagher, who we we've had some dreadful players on loan in the past, but Conor Gallagher already, right. yeah. uh, I, I, I almost compared him to Attilio Lombardo yesterday, but he, he's already at that stage where we're going. We we want to get in touch with him and say, can you tone it down ten percent because he's he's playing so well that Chelsea will inevitably want him back because mm. at the moment he looks like he would get into Chelsea's first team. So it's and I, I, already he's he must have put ten million quid on his value because it's. It's hard to get used to seeing young, intelligent, energetic players wearing a Palace shirt. Anyway, um, Jamie White has um, a pertinent subject to recent conversations. Mm. Jamie White Jamie White says, with the recent surge in interest around Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, do you expect to see clubs using it to trade? Will we ever see our first one Bitcoin player? Now, this is an area you discussed recently, Kieran, with your your new best friend and chess cheat, Gavin. Um, <laughs> And also, inevitably, if we see our first one Bitcoin player, there will be people going out to see it. I've had, I've football's gone for me. Some of the Bitcoin, <laughs> and then in five years' time, somebody will go two Bitcoins. That's it. That's football. The bubble's got to burst eventually. But it's it's an interesting uh, question, Kieran. I mean, I didn't listen to your interview fully because I had the hump that I didn't do it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I presume this is an area you would have you would have covered with Gavin. Yeah, my mate Gav. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> Gav now is it? Well, we've already had the first Bitcoin transfer. Uh, right. This is a Spanish footballer called uh, David Barral, who signed for Spanish third division club Inter Madrid in January. Inter Madrid. Um, Inter Madrid. Uh, into Madrid, yes. Are you sure that's <laughs> yes. not somebody's fantasy football team name? <laughs> Into Madrid, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, there's, there is an Into Madrid, uh, and uh, he he was 37 years old at the time. So, it, and and I think this was probably linked to to the sponsors who were uh, you know, one of these uh, cryptocurrency uh, organisations. So, can it be done? Yes. The the people who are extolling the virtues of Bitcoin uh, will say this 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 is the way forwards. Um, I, I have a a huge degree of caution and skepticism uh, when it comes to uh, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. You know, one of the things we said at the at the time, it, it's an unregulated market. Uh, you know, it, it's the equivalent of uh, you know when when if producer guy starts paying us in price of Price of football pounds, mm. you know, and you try taking those down the Porson's arms. There's not a lot you can do with them. So um, they're not that they can be manipulated in terms of price. There, they're not a good store of value. They're very volatile. 
so I'm, I'm, I'm not the biggest fans of them, but there seems to be a lot of people shouting about them, uh, basically due to something called uh, what we refer to in finance called FOMO, which is fear of missing out. I.e., mm. you buy it because everybody's talking about it. You don't actually know a lot about it, but if you keep shouting about it, then you, you'll persuade another sucker to buy these things as well. Um, so, so that so we have had this first transfer. Could it be a way forward? Yeah, possibly. Um, but I, I would imagine that uh, you, know, you don't keep your Bitcoins. Uh, you, you, you transfer them into uh, traditional currencies uh, reasonably quickly to, to preserve value. Yeah, the Porter's Arms has only just got its first card machine. They're not gonna, <laughs> seriously, they're not going to be taking Bitcoin. And it, the fact they've got a card machine is causing great distress to most people <laughs> I, I, little, I asked little john the barman i said I, I need to pay by card because it's the first time i've ever able to do it what's i hear there's a 10 pound cash limit where thereabouts um so <laughs> a, a bit, how how would you uh, what what would for those of us who are bamboozled by this kieran yeah what would one bitcoin translate to in in money in cash um, so let, let's say it's it's forty. Its present price is forty thousand dollars per right. Bitcoin. Um, so therefore, you could agree, but the, the trouble is, by next week, it could be worth fifty thousand dollars, or it could be worth twenty five. And uh, you know that, that's that's my reservation. That mm. um, for all that is wrong in the traditional currency markets, and you know, as somebody that that likes numbers and likes a bit of finance, I'm fully aware of. Um, the weaknesses, as well as the strengths, um, we are not operating in uh, you know the Weimar Republic where we, we had hyperinflation. Uh, you, know, you do broadly know that a pound in a week's time is is going to buy you pretty much the same as it bought today. You you can't say that with uh, cryptocurrencies, and therefore, if if you agree to sell a player for a Bitcoin, by the time the paperwork has gone through, which could be 48 hours later, you could be 20% up, you could be 30% down. Mm. And your point about regulation is an interesting one, because it was just this week, I, I can't remember if it was the Bank of England or, or some other responsible authority, mm. Mm. said that they didn't have the wherewithal or the time or the capacity to regulate cryptocurrency and new money along with the rest of the financial markets. Is that the case? That that is that is the case because because of the nature of an unregulated market, you and I could genuinely create the price of football coin and and try to market it in some way, shape, or form. Um, you know, and, and how can the Bank of England regulate you, me, but most importantly, producer guy and possibly Finley? Well, you could create the price of football coin, Kieran. I'd I'd be happy if I had my face on it. <laughs> I'd like me me on one side, Finley on the other. That'd be like yes. when people could toss their virtual coin playing virtual <laughs> games. You say, what, dog or Kev? Um, Stuart Hatcher has asked one of those questions that I always like because it's a question that you kind of think we should have discussed before because it's such a simple concept that I can't believe it hasn't come up. Um, and Stuart Hatcher says, I wanted to ask whether, against the backdrop of relegation clause chat that we've been having recently, is there anything that might prevent a club having contracts in which wages are adjusted according to revenue growth or decline, much like landlords and tenants sometimes agree turnover rents on property? That's, that sounds like a really clever, simple idea, Kieran, doesn't it? It, it is. And first of all, uh, hello, Stuart. 
uh, because Stuart has very kindly just gone and booked me a table uh, at a pub close to uh, Brentford's new grounds, and, and I'm meeting him when uh, when Brighton play Brentford in, uh, in in a couple of weeks. So so, uh, but, but that, that was compl- that was not linked to him well, getting his question on the show. In that case, can I say I was going to point out that Stuart is a, a regular social media friend of ours, but as uh, he didn't get in touch with me when Palace played Brentford last week at Sellers Park. I'm not going to now. He's, he's another one. He's, he's on the Gavin list now. Basically, he's, he's dead to me. He's your friend, Stuart Hatcher, now. All right. So let's, let's answer your friend Stuart Hatcher's question before you go to lunch, before Brentford played Brighton. I hope you it's, enjoy. It's a very, it's a very nice gastro pub as well. I'm sure. It, I'm, I hope you enjoy many a plate of trout and cream quinoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, th- there are um, there are performance related or revenue related clauses already embedded in contracts because, um, as as we've discussed on a few occasions. For every position further up the Premier League you go, you get an extra £2 million. So a, an element of this is likely to be embedded into many players' contracts so that if you finish, uh, first of all, if you finish above 18th, you will get uh, a revenue boost uh, linked to the, or you'll get a wage boost re- related to the, the, the money from the club. And also, I understand, is that in many players' contracts, you know, their agents are fully aware that, Finishing twelfth instead of sixteenth is worth an extra ten million pounds to the club. So therefore, yeah, my, my client is entitled to an element of that. So so that, that there are some uh, there, there are certainly tiered payments linked to performance. Now, it might not be directly linked to revenue; it will be indirectly uh, related to to achievements on the pitch, which drive that additional revenue. Yeah, uh, talking of gastro pubs, I I met my old chum Mark Webster. Uh, broadcaster who you know uh, as a West Ham fan I met him and some friends in a pub in Hackney Wick before the game and Mark asked for a Chardonnay and uh, I had to point out to him that in the 42 years plus <laughs> that I've been going to pubs before football games I'd never ever asked for a Chardonnay before a football match luckily he wanted a pint so that that was all right after some discussion I said I was happy to uh, unluckily he had Four or five pints beforehand. Um, is that Finley coming in at the mention of his name earlier on? <laughs> no, no, he'd be curled up next to me all show. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. I just thought his ears might have pricked up at the word quinoa. <laughs> quinoa? Danny taking me for a walk. Uh, our next question comes from Nick Andrews Govain. And again, Nick Andrews Govain. I hope I've pronounced the Govain part of that. Uh, Nick Andrews Govain says the FA Women's National League was nulled and voided. Null and voided? I'd, again, I was distracted by checking whether null and voided or null and voided was right. But um, as Nick said, it was null and voided before all other leagues. So what were the financial implications for the clubs, specifically Wolves Women? Now, I listened to Wolves Women pod last week, and I'd say it was very good. I would recommend it to anybody who was interested in, in women's football. But it's it's a good question, Kieran, and can we have the answer? Right. Uh, I mean, the the benefits of having this is that it allows the club to uh, effectively plan for a period in advance. So therefore, it doesn't have to book any coaches. It, uh, it can put staff on furlough with a degree of certainty. It can cut uh, quite a lot of its potential overheads by saying, for the next nine months, we're not doing X, Y and Z. 
Um, so that would have been the, the financial benefits of an early voiding of the season. Um, it, will, it will simply be a, a budgetary adjustment with, with the aim of keeping the club on life support and keeping costs to a minimum. Mm. Okay. Um, thank you for that, Kieran. Our next question comes from Ed. Uh, sorry, I was gulping my wine in because you answered that question much more quickly than I'm used to. It, it wasn't, was it Chardonnay, was it? No, I don't drink Chardonnay. It, was, it wasn't the fact it was Chardonnay, Kieran. It was the fact he wanted white wine in a... I was going to describe it as a, hack, a hackney boozer, but unfortunately it probably used to be 20 years ago. It's, it had. I don't approve of pubs having DJs, Kieran. Not oh. live DJs, no. And a choice of eight ciders. I don't, I don't care what farm it comes from. Just give me a pint of cider. <laughs> I really don't care what breed of apple they are. In. Do apples have breeds? I don't know. I'm I a city, flavors. I'm a city boy. I don't know types, varieties. That's, that's right. Variety. Variety. Yeah, I don't. I don't care if it's a coxes or. A, did I ask for a pint of coxes? No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so easily, dist- uh, really easily distracted today. Oh, we've gone down a rabbit hole there. <laughs> we totally have. Um, our next question comes from Ed Henriette. Uh, or if he's Dutch, Henriet. I I'm, again, I people just put some notes for pronunciation. I just want to get these things right. I'm just worried that there's a club somewhere laughing at my pronunciation of. It's probably not even a foreign name. Anyway, but Ed says, how much do clubs spend on insurance to cover the risk of winning the league or cups that would activate bonuses for players and managers? I've wondered this ever, ever since Sussex County Cricket Club had a surprise success that ended with them making very little profit because they had to pay out on bonuses. Um, it's an interesting question, question Kieran. I, it makes me look forward to the day when Palace announced that their policy of not winning leagues and trophies is actually shrewd financial management. <laughs> Yes. Um, well, a, a, a lot will depend upon uh, the club and, and the risk assessment. So um, yeah, is, is it worth Manchester City uh, insuring against not winning the Premier League? That they'd have to pay such a large premium then that they might as well not bother. So, so some clubs effectively self-insure because what, they, that what they've realised is that the additional money that they would receive from... Uh, a prize money from the, the competition organisers, and secondly, the the bonuses that they receive from their commercial partners is likely to exceed the, the, those wage costs. Having said that, if you were a club such as Leicester City in 2016, mm. um, you, you might have taken out a, a policy, and and the chances are you could go to a broker and they'd you know when they stopped laughing. Um, you know, at the start of the season, said, "Yeah, but we'll give you a you know, a, a very modest premium," um, and and that could have paid off. So it, it really does depend. You know, the, the nature of insurance it's all related to risk, um, and they and they do an assessment. Um, you know, you know, Leicester City uh, famously had to go and play Claudio Ranieri. I think it was a five million pound bonus which he had yeah. in his contract. Um, and and I remember at the time I, I'd gone on to. Uh, I, about two days before they were due to win the, or four days for two days before they did win the, the, the Premier League, I, I went on to BBC Five Live and I was talking about uh, that from a financial point of view, um, it, Leicester City would be far better as runners-up 
uh, of the Premier League, completely taking all of the romance out of the situation and yeah. making myself very unpopular with Leicester fans. But then I said, but nobody cares about you know the the, the financial point of view. You know, everybody wants Leicester to win, but but that bit didn't get picked up. So I, I got I got dogs abuse on on social media, and, and rightly so. Um, but uh, it, it, it's all risk related. So some clubs will take out a policy um, if they think that it's a long shot that they're going to to win a particular trophy and they have significant bonuses uh, embedded into contracts. If they are one of the favourites to win the trophy, they are less likely to want to take out the uh, the policy because it's going to cost them a fortune in insurance anyway. It it does seem counterintuitive, Kieran, doesn't it, that you you need to take out insurance against success, and the idea that success could cost you money it, it sort of takes a little bit of the gloss off things, really, doesn't it? Yes, yes, you know, and yeah. you know, I, I I still think that Leicester City winning the Premier League was was one of the last romantic days I, in football, uh, you know, from a, from a Premier League perspective, and. You know, why anybody was interested in talking about the finances at the time was beyond me. But yes, you're absolutely right. Um, but you know, a, a football club does consist of of more people than you know the, the playing staff and the managing staff, and and you've got a back office whose whose job is to to manage the risks um, in relation to. Uh, successful and unsuccessful aspects of of the club. You know, are 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 there insurance policies for the big clubs? And we know who we're talking about. And you know, what happens if they don't qualify for the Champions League? Do they get a payout? Mm. And if so, you know, what would the premiums be there? Yeah, I noticed how very cleverly there, Kieran, you blamed Five Live for asking you the boring question about finance rather than your <laughs> actual answer of that question. Well done. It wasn't your other new best friend, Colin Murray, was it? No, no, it was, it was Adam Parsons who's now at Sky. Adam's a really good guy. Oh, you think everyone's a really good guy because you don't drink. I like drink. everybody. I know because you don't drink, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stuart Barnett is a Leeds fan, and Stuart says, us Leeds fans are seeing some very high-profile people recently wearing Leeds shirts from LL Cool J to Sugar, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard through uh, the auspices probably of Rock Nation. Uh, what will this do for the club? Could it increase revenues from overseas fans, making Leeds a worldwide brand, which arguably they already are? Um, to Stuart's list, I would add that Russell Crowe is a Leeds fan. Ardlo Hanlon is a Leeds fan. Award-winning theoretical physicist Professor Jim Al-Khalili is a Leeds fan. And just in case you're interested, Korean Brighton have got Rag and Bone Man and Sky Sports golf reporter James Haddock. <laughs> Rag and Bone Man lives around the corner from me. I, I, I see him at the uh, I see him at the local park with his kid uh, at the local what? play park. What Rag and Bone Man? Yeah, intense working class <laughs> musical artist lives on the same vineyard as you. This <laughs> is gone. The gate. The music's gone, isn't it? Oh, the pop music's gone. The vineyard, I was going to say, it's, it's like finding out Stormzy doesn't live in Thornton Heath, which he does. <laughs> Rugby, that's really distressed me. If, if you told me that Sky Sports golf reporter James Haddock lived on the same vineyard as you, I'd, of course he does. He's a golf reporter. <laughs> Not Ragged Bone Man. Good Lord. I, I, I'm going to take I'm Only Human. I was going to say I had a Spotify playlist, but I don't. I've got two CDs that I have on the go at any one particular time. <laughs> <laughs> In case you're wondering, Palace have got everybody, every 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 other celebrity I could mention supports Palace, including Liam Neeson and Paul Weller, which is the coolest one. Um, it's Paul Clark. 
Paul Weller, well, Paul Weller's a Palace fan based on the fact that in one of his uh, the early Jam videos, there's a Palace poster in his bedroom. So we've always extrapolated from that. Because which oh, club right. doesn't want Paul Weller as a Palace oh, fan? Yeah, let's, yeah. let's face it. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it's an interesting. It's an interesting. I would argue that Leeds already have a, a worldwide brand. To be honest, even mm. if it's a hangover from the days of the seventies when they were a huge club, certainly in in the, in the UK and in, in Europe. Um, but you know. Does seeing LL Cool J in the lead shirt impact on the club's finances? Um, marginally, in the sense that if it does get a bit of notice, you know, let's face it, celebrities wear lots of clothes all the time, and and you don't you don't necessarily rush out to go and try to to, to replicate them. But um, it, it it could move the dial positively, and if a uh, if you've got a sports retailer, say in the US, who have got a limited amount of space and they're trying to say, well, yeah, we're going to put in six Premier League club shirts this season. And you've just seen LL Cool J wearing a, uh, a Leeds United shirt. You're more likely to to say, well, yeah, we, we, can, we can link into that. We can show those videos you know, in, the, in the background, in the stores. Um, so it, it, it can only help in terms of branding, uh, you know, and, and branding it does have value. You've only got to look at, uh, you know, all the people from Love Island who are, you know, as soon as they walk off that show, they're busy, uh, you know, on Instagram. They've signed contracts with clothing companies and so on. And, you know, that seems to work, judging from the the, the reaction that that gets. So it can work in their favour. Again, I, I would stress that this this concept of, of shirt sales being a huge yeah, yeah. for clubs is in my opinion overstated. Yeah, lead, our, our leads a big club. Yeah, yeah. And come on, we, we, yeah, we're we're big enough to admit that they're they're bigger than Palace and Brighton um, because you know they they have achieved uh, on on the international. They've they've won they've won the Premier League. Uh, they they've they've got to the European Cup final. And you know, I, I think in 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 the days when ninety nine percent of the country wanted your representative to win the European Cup, which yeah. doesn't necessarily exist these days. So I, I remember watching that match and uh, getting frustrated. Same same as the rest of the country. So, uh, yes, it can make a difference, but I think these things are overstated in practice. Yeah. Um, I think we should point out to Angry, not, they, they've won the top league. They won the last Division 1 before the Premier yeah. League, didn't they? Yeah, not the yeah correct. Yeah. Uh, but they're a, they're a massive club. I would argue they're a, they are a big club. Um, our final question, Kieran, comes from Thomas Giles, and I'm actually very interested. I'm always interested to hear your answer. Of course I am. Um, but I'd, I would like to find out whether this is a one-off, because Thomas Giles says that Solihull Moors have recently unveiled a competition where companies can win the naming rights to the stadium, worth about £75,000, by entering a competition at a cost of £5,000. Now, those who don't win are guaranteed advertising, thanks to that 5K investment, so it doesn't appear that they're being ripped off. But have you seen this before? <coughs> Excuse me. What are the pros and cons for the businesses and the club, and how do you value naming rights? Uh, well, I've, I've not seen this before. I, I think it's a very innovative idea. Um, the, the the benefits to a potential sponsor uh, is that for a relatively low investment, they get they get guaranteed um, exposure. Uh, 
uh, in terms of they will get something, you know, they will be able to get their products uh, advertised at the ground. Uh, they've got a potential benefit on top of that. My, my, my slight reservation in respect of the position of the club is what happens if there's only you know, eight or 10 people who enter the competition? You know, do, do you have to give them all their money back? Fair or point, do yeah. you simply say, well, yeah, well we're still going to have the draw and we're only going to get 40 grand coming in from a sponsorship deal, which we think is worth 75. So, so there, that, that could be uh, a negative. Um, in terms of how do you value naming rights, um, they, they are unique assets. And again, I think in general, it's, it's an issue which tends to be overplayed um and a lot of the deals that we see go through are linked to companies or organizations related to the club owner or somebody close to the club owner so so we've seen uh everton in terms of their uh training ground so you know that that's being given to to usm the which is which is part of uh uh, uh empire um at at scunthorpe um, I went into Scunthorpe's account before we did the show, and they received over two million pounds for the sponsorship. Now, for me, it's Glanford Park, and and that's the mm. trouble you've got. If if you've got a ground which has been around for a few seasons, yeah, you're, you're going to call it Glanford Park. Or if if I'm going to Bolton, I'll still call it the Reebok because yeah. it always was the Reebok, although it's now the the University of Bolton Stadium. So so Scunthorpe's is called the Sands Venue Stadium which happens to be a nightclub in Blackpool, which is owned by the club owner. So, you know, is it a way of getting money into the club through a slightly different route? So trying to work out the value of these things, it's, you know, it's how, how do you value a painting? You know, it's, 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 unique, it's a unique asset. Um, and ultimately, it, it's a question of what somebody prepared to pay. So, you know, we've got things such as the Crown Oil Arena at, at, at Rochdale. Yeah, Rochdale, Scotland. To me, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm old school, or, or the People's Pension Stadium at Crawley. You think, mm. well, yeah, nobody, whoever says that. So, do do these brands get a huge amount in response? Apart from, uh, you know, occasionally on TV and radio, it gets announced as as that being the name. Because I think, from a fan's perspective, if it's an old name, then you know, to the stadium that they tend to stick with it because that's the nature of fandom. Mm. Also, older Bolton fans will be listening to this going, it wasn't always the Reebok. It was Burden Park before it was the Reebok. Um, well, that was a different ground, though, wasn't it? And well, that's the trouble, isn't it? When you move, when you, that, that's the other, when you, if you move to a new ground, it's sometimes easier to use the new name, but fans yeah. will still use the old name. It's, it's, it's odd. And I, I feel sorry for, you know, there's no time when you're more obsessed with football than between the age of probably nine and, and 12, when you know everything about football. And I used to, I watched, I watched, you know, we mentioned Jeff Stelling again. I, I watched scores come through on a, a, a midweek. It's like the, the Barrow Villa game, like the, from the whatever hotel stadium it was. Yes. It's like, I, I used to know, you used to know, you'd know the name of every ground. You'd know the yeah. name of every captain, of every kit of every nickname and now youngsters are just having to relearn it every year. And like you said, it, and it's the same as well when, when stands are renamed, it's, it's, 
it's it's always it's always odd you know you, it's you, they can call it the rest stand the trevor brooking stand it's always the bit where you stood in all your life or sat in all your life it's a, it's a strange one but i think the important thing is as you say they they rename you know like when cheltenham were playing in the johnny rock stadium it's wadden road yes it's as simple as that uh, uh, but that's a really interesting question to end on thomas so thank you for that uh, and if you have uh, interesting questions or controversial questions or just questions for our next <laughs> questions pod uh, well I, I say our next questions pod the, the way our waiting list is going it could be it could be quite some time but give it a go you never know uh, questions at priceoffootball.com is what you want and I shall hand you over to Kieran Maguire for our customary farewell well uh, thanks as, as always folks um, for the, the feedback uh, if you are enjoying the show uh, th- there's always the option of Patreon uh, if you want to give a, a for as little as a pound a month to give a monthly contribution to the show but if you just want to get some good, good karma Give us some good karma. Go to the uh, go to the Apple Podcasts and, and give us a review. If you can give us five stars, helps us in the charts. You know, it, you know, we, we we were lucky to have that that really great interview with Tracy Crouch last week, and she she would have done a bit of homework beforehand to see uh, you know what is this podcast, and we 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 do out we do okay for ourselves uh, for a niche show. Um, so uh, th- thanks again, and uh, apart from that, we will see you on Thursday. Yeah, um, it would be churlish of me to suggest that Kieran only mention the Patreon thing so he can afford the salmon when he goes to the gastro pub before the Brentford game. But, you know, if you want to contribute to our always free-to-air pod and make sure Kieran can eat properly, then please do so. Bye, everybody. Bye. The I'm for the